This is Reverend Chuck Blair. Welcome to our weekly podcast on New Church Live. And a great way to kind of start out, you know, talking about Christmas today and, and, and that idea of, of, you know, what's the hope we're looking to see rekindle and how do we welcome this Savior? How do we welcome this new thing into our lives? You know, so much of faith, I think, is this. It's, it's, it's a reframing of life. You know, we, we tend to frame life this way, and, and then oftentimes in ways that are challenging, we, that framing gets, gets kind of wonky. It stops working, and we have to reframe it. And the Christmas story has tons of this stuff. We miss it again because I, I think we're almost too familiar. Most of us are almost too familiar with this story. We miss the incredible reframing that takes place. I mean, just even the story we're going to tell today, it's about the three wise men. And not all of you may know about that story. You're going to know about it by the end. But about three wise men who go to visit a very poor family with a new baby. They're going to visit this poor family with a new baby. How should the travel have gone? It should have gone the other way. Even just that is a piece of reframing. So can I share that story with you today? So I want to start out talking about this with sharing that story. You know, the idea of beautiful stars, right? And you think about these wise men, they were, they were out looking at the stars, and then there's, there's this beautiful line, this beautiful line where they talk about it. Just a simple line. We saw his, please say the S word there, we saw his star. We saw his star. We saw his star. And I love that idea. I love this idea that they're just, they're just astronomers, essentially. And they're, they're obviously, these, these guys are obviously at an upper echelon, highly educated, well-off, all these things. And they're in a foreign country, and they just, they just see up in the sky, this black sky, this star that they hadn't seen before. And that star actually gets them to move, to move with their life, to move with their life. So I want to read that story to you. It's not a real long story, but it's a very beautiful one. After Jesus was born in Bethlehem during the time of King Herod. King Herod, for those of you who were here last week, good guy or bad guy? Bad guy. He's the bad guy in the story. Magi, or wise men from the east, came to Jerusalem and asked, where is the one who has been born king of the Jews? We saw a star in the east and have come to worship him. When King Herod heard this, he was disturbed and all Jerusalem with him. When he called together all the people's chief priests and teachers of the law, he asked them where where Christ was to be born. In Bethlehem in Judea, they replied, for this is what the prophet has said. Then Herod called the Magi secretly, the wise men secretly, found out from them the exact time that star had appeared. He sent them to Bethlehem and said, go and make a careful search for the child. As soon as you find this child, report to me so that I too may come, go and worship. And that was not his intention was to worship. His intention was actually to destroy. After they had heard the king, this evil king, they went on their way and the star they had seen in the east went ahead of them until it stopped, until it stopped over the place where the child was. When they saw the star, they were over. Joyed. On coming to the house, they saw the child with his mother Mary, and they bowed down and worshipped him. Then they opened their treasures and presented him with the gifts of gold, frankincense, and myrrh. And having been warned in a dream not to go back to Herod, they returned to their country by another way. 
beautiful story. I want to talk about it. I want to sort of put some, some human spin to it. So, so again, like you think about these wise men, you think about them looking up in the dark night sky, seeing a star, seeing something that, that was a call to them, that was, was, was something that they, they hadn't noticed before. Then not everybody notices this star in the story. Herod certainly didn't because not everybody is looking. We know as well that they were from a foreign country. So, so the idea of, of taking off after this star is actually pretty cool. It's, it's actually a bit of an adventure. I like this picture, kids, because I think this is one camel going, what are these guys thinking? Really? Not only going to a different country, they're going to a country where they didn't know the language or the culture. Fascinating stuff. It goes on again to say in the Bible, the star they had seen went ahead of them until it, say the S word there, until it stopped over the place where the child was. Right? Now, that even, even that word stop there is fascinating to me. So, so it's this idea that, that the star even moves in this story. Is that cool? Was it a shooting star? Maybe. It just all of a sudden stopped being a shooting star and just like stood in a place. And, and you see, folks, they're, they're not trying. This story's not trying to teach us about astronomy. So if the scientist in you is going like, well, that couldn't really happen, that's not the point of the story. The point of the story is to talk about a star, something coming alive in our lives that gets us to move. And then when it finds that place where it wants us to be, rests there. I think probably all of us in here have had that experience at least once where we're just able to go like, oh, this is it. Been traveling and here's, here's this space right now and this, this is it. This is where somehow, as the author famously said, where, where our particular passions and God's urgent need, where the two somehow meet and come together. The passage goes on it's, with other beautiful language. On coming to, the, coming to the house, they saw the child with his mother Mary, and they bowed down and worshipped him. Then they opened their treasures, presented him with gifts of gold, frankincense, and myrrh. Beautiful idea. So, so they have these gifts, and it, it says in the, in the previous passage, like they were overjoyed when they finally found where they were going. Overjoyed. Because now they could offer those gifts. And, and I want to sit just for a minute with that idea of joy. Like uh, G.K. Chesterton, way back in the 1800s, said, said, joy is the quiet secret of the Christian life. I, I think it's actually the quiet secret of any deeply spiritual life. Because it's a joy that's reframed. It's able to see life in new ways, able to travel, able to offer great gifts. And that's what I want to talk about now is what those gifts can be. It's interesting, right? When you look at the Bible, for those of you who are Bible wonks, and not that many people are admittedly, but when you're a Bible wonk, it's, it's interesting when you look at those gifts because there's nowhere in history where it says like, and then Christ will be born, and then these, these wise men are going to offer these three gifts. There's no prophecy of that. In other words, nobody was predicting that was going to happen. There's no commandment that those were the gifts that were to be brought. So that means that those wise men had to get together and they had to figure out what gift they were going to bring. 
I love maybe rephrasing that question a little bit. Say the G word there. What good can we send their way? What good can we send their way? I want you guys to really think about that. For all of us to hold that question. Yes, that gift giving is beautiful and wonderful. And also be willing to ask this question. A bigger question. What good? We're talking deep good here. What good can we send their way? What good can we send their way? And oftentimes that's more than a a space and time gift. I want to step over here for a minute and I want to share with you a story. A story about that actually happening. And I love this story. This story came out last week, and I just thought it was a wonderful story. For those of you, I think all of us are aware, you know, the senior president, George Bush, recently passed away. Well, it turned out that George Bush had a pen pal, a 10-year-old boy. And as part of a, of a Christian missionary group, he decided to be a pen pal with this little boy. The only thing is, he didn't tell him he was president, a former president of the United States. Just imagine that, that you were like writing somebody and later on you find out, oh yeah, I was president of the United States. I just want to share with you some of those letters. This is how it starts. Dear Timothy, I want to be your new pen pal. I'm an old man, 77 years old, but I love kids. And though we've not met, I love you already. I live in Texas. I will write you from time to time. Good luck, G. Walker Bush. And then, of course, it goes back and forth. Here's the next letter. What's the young man's name? Let's say it together. Timothy. Timothy's sending back these these letters. And again, folks, like think of the wise men here. Think of us bringing our gifts as best we can. Think of us stepping into bringing a good. Think of us asking, what good can we bring to them? And Timothy reciprocates beautifully. The amazing part is that George Bush kept it secret for seven years. This is another great letter. Dear Timothy, I love the picture of you holding the world time gadget. So George Bush sent him a Christmas gift, and it was a clock that could tell time anywhere in the world. I also have learned that you play the guitar. Terrific. Timothy, have you ever heard of the White House? That is where the president of the USA lives. I got to go to the White House at Christmas time. Is that good? Here is a little booklet that I got at the White House in Washington. That's so good. Do you see the humility in that? You can actually read these letters online. And one of my, well, another favorite one, I didn't pull it, was, was one of his dog. So he, he sends him a picture of his dog and he says, my dog has met a lot of famous people and runs like the wind. The gifts of a wise man. The gift Somebody who took the time to notice the gifts of someone who saw within the darkness of light a way to not just see a star, but a way in just a very small and humble way to actually be the star. 
I love that story because I think it, it, it clearly tells us that we can be wise men to this day, wise women to this day. Sisters and brothers who see in this story a much bigger call. So when I come back, I want to talk a little bit more about that. Like, what are three gifts that we can all bring to the table? As we come to Christ, as we come to God, as we allow that God to be born anew, as we travel and we watch something new be born in our hearts. As the band comes out, as the band comes out, I want you to think about what that can be. I want you to think and try to picture someone in your mind who you feel like you cannot just give a gift to, but bring a good to. Something deep, something rich, something meaningful, and something that lasts. And in the end, something that's only yours to give. One of the lines in there that that is just so significant, I just want you just to take a breath and just hear that line in that music. It talks about, oh, holy night, and the soul knew its worth. Beautiful line. That idea that there's stars and that we're, we're called to follow these things and that eventually they come and they, they rest at a certain place. And we kind of are, oh, yeah, this is it. And maybe that's... Uh, Santa thing that we do, come meet Santa, or, or maybe that's serving the homeless, or maybe that's serving this or doing that, or, or, or a certain level of care with, with those we love. But that star comes and stops at a place where we feel there is we feel incredible joy. The last of the four Advent candles. Peace, hope, love, and joy. And somehow, right at that moment, we somehow get a sense of the soul knowing its worth. And it's not a soul knowing its worth like, hey, you got to see the cool scratch I'm bringing. <laughs> you know, the cool thing is the wise men. You know, that wasn't about, it was, it was what, be, what was being relayed through those gifts in that moment. The beauty there. Something really profound. Now, I think, again, we, we can leave those gifts kind of up here at a 10,000-foot level, like really big, just bring your gifts. But I want to bring it home. Can I do that? Please say yes. Yes, yes I want to bring it home so you, like, you have stuff you can work on because we all are pretty messed up and we need some help. <laughs> well, I'm messed up. All right, here are the three I want you to think about. Humility, forgiveness, and gratitude. Now, I want to start out with, with simple humility. I think a lot about this, folks. I think a lot about this fix, help, serve. Fix, help, serve. Answer A, answer B, or answer C. Which is the correct answer? <laughs> C. It's to serve. As best we can. To have the humility to serve. Kids, can I tell you a story from my youth of a not very humble gift? Can I tell you to the kids? So, so this, this story was when I was a little kid, and you have to be really old to remember these. You could buy these little football games. This was in the era before electronics. And it, it was on a piece of sheet metal, and then it vibrated, and you set up these little guys that went all over the place. Anybody else remember that game? 
I decided it would be the perfect gift for my sisters one Christmas. Not that they bring it up, even into our 50s. Not a humble gift. Who was I really giving that gift to? Yep. I was really giving that gift to myself. Not such a great idea. So, so, so a gift first has to start with, with humility, just simple humility that, that I don't know, but, but I'm willing to lean in and I'm willing to listen. I'm willing to listen to the gift, to the good, to the good that I can best bring to you. I can best bring to you. Could I share a story with you just from yesterday? Just a simple story, a simple one. One dearly, dearly beloved, a great friend gave me a couple of tickets to the Flyers game. Now, the Flyers are my second favorite team, so I'm all about going to that. And I want to take one of my kids, but one of my kids has this really nice boyfriend. And I know he's a huge Flyers fan. So through gritted teeth, I said, I have two tickets. Would you like them? And what did she say? Sure, sure. That's humility. That's service, even through gritted teeth. It's trying to do the best I can to help someone else. Now, the second one is kind of interesting, right? No, keep if you could keep the chart up there. The second one there is forgiveness, right? Can we all say forgiveness together? Forgiveness. Now, it's interesting. I'm going to run back and forth between these two carpets. The word forgive, and I say this all the time and we forget it. I forget it all the time. The word forgiveness is made of two words. The first, or forgive. The first word is for. The second word, I'm driving the guys in the booth crazy, sorry. The second word is give. Back to the middle, sorry guys. (laughs) So forgiveness is about forgiving. Think about that. It's for giving someone the benefit of the doubt. It's for giving that relative who drives you crazy. The simple acknowledgement, maybe just in your soul, that they're doing the best they can with the tools they have for that day. It's about forgiving people. Kindness. Compassion, gentleness, generosity. I am sure if you are like me, there is somebody right now who you can hold, you can think of bringing a good to, bringing a gift to, but you can't bring it if you can't forgive. You can't bring it if you can't forgive. You'll be like Herod, you'll lose track of the star. And the last one, simple, please say it, gratitude. Simple gratitude. You know, part of as I was getting ready for today's sermon, you know, it's just been so many little miracles over this week. In the midst of darkness, in the midst of great pain and suffering that some people are going through, that large large parts of the world are going through, I thought maybe I would just list them all, but then I thought, no, I don't want to do that because I don't want to miss anybody. But having seen gift after gift after gift after gift, there is, there is so 
much to be grateful for. So much done out of just this congregation here that you folks do for New Church Live, uh, that you've done for me, that you've done for families, you've done for all these groups, gift after gift after gift after gift, that you've brought goods to it. You've brought good stuff to each other. And many times, folks, many times, you bring gifts and your words to me, and this happens several times a year, your, your words to me are, don't tell anyone. Don't tell anyone. It makes me want to cry. Because that's that humility again. Can you see, folks, how all these things come together? And, and just think in your life, like, all right, so I've got three gifts, you know, and put in the middle the place where it's hard to bring your gift, where you actually have to work and travel and go to a foreign land to give it, and think, all right, so how can humility show up there? How can forgiveness show up there? How can gratitude show up there? How can I be in the place where all three of those come together? Because if I do, then I will find, I'm going to have you say the P word really loud, then I will find the, the present, and it will be in the present. It will allow you to actually be there. And to watch God's gift open up into new ways. I think, folks, that's the message I kind of want to leave you on. We're going to do communion here in a minute. Ask that question again and again. What good can I bring? Notice this line from the book Divine Providence written by Emanuel Swedenborg. What is the sign that God is leading someone? That they love other people. That's simple. The sign, the star. You know they're following it. And you know you're following it. If you've learned to love other people. I think so much of our lives, and I, I hope this rings true, we're, we're constantly caught in this place, in this place, this hard place between fear and hope. And I'm always looking for evidence. Do I, can I find a lot of evidence to be afraid? Yes. Can I find a lot of evidence to be hope-filled? Yes. I, I mean, I just had my sister texted me first thing this morning. She said, she said, Chuck, New Year's resolution, news fast. She doesn't want to hear about the fear anymore. She wants to see a shift there. I think we can cost, we can get stuck, kind of, right? And, and I want to, want to be clear about this. This is clear for me, at least. You know, I, I get stuck constantly looking for the evidence. All right, right now, should I be in fear or should I be in hope? And then something will happen that puts me in here, and I'll be like, oh, that's the world. Something will happen over here. I'll be like, oh, that's the world. I'm constantly looking for the evidence. Could I share something with you that I want you to take home? Stop looking for the evidence. Start being the evidence. Stop looking for the evidence of whether it's a time of fear or hope. Because is it a time of fear or hope? The answer to that is yes. And instead of looking for the evidence, be the evidence as best you can. Giving the gifts that are yours to give. 
What's your gold? What's your frankincense? What's your myrrh? More importantly, what is the gift that you can bring that you are willing to move? Not necessarily physically, but that you're actually willing to take this journey. And do you know why you take the journey? Because the journey's good. The journey's holy. The journey will open you as you serve others. So the way we're going to close today's family service is with a beautiful communion service. And I'm actually going to step down here to explain it to you. So we're going to be doing communion down here. And what we're going to do is it's, it's, it's a communion service. And I love the idea that the word communion connects with community. That idea that this is something we do together. And I'd ask you to think, and I say this with a big smile on my face, come to the table with the question, what am I going to bring to the table? You know, you, you think about that question, like a lot of the time when I ask somebody, well, what are you bringing to the table? I actually mean it a little sarcastically. Don't. Just think. What am I bringing to the table? Like, like allow that to overjoy you. Allow that to be something that, that creates a lot of passion in your heart. Yeah, what good can I bring? What can I bring to the table? And then you can come forward. We have wine here. We have unleavened bread. For the kids, we got ultra good squishy bread and juice. So come forward and take that. Going again to how Christ said we have to gather in communion. This is called the Holy Supper. And then as you do that, think of a little prayer. I don't know what you want to do with this, but I'm just, I'd offer you just to say a little prayer like, okay, God, what can I bring to the table this Christmas season? What good can I bring to them? Watch how that star pulls you, and then watch where that star stops. It says you're here. And then if you would like to as well, you're welcome to fill out a prayer card. As well, put it in there. I'll be praying over those this week. And then Reverend Shada Sullivan, Shada, raise your hand here. Shada and I will be up front. And if you'd like to have a family blessing when you're done or just an individual blessing, that's totally fine. We'll offer a blessing on what you do. Thank you for listening. You can support this podcast at www.newchurchlive.tv.